0: everybody, welcome to the Wednesday, the hump day edition of Winners and Winners Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen. I am the lead handicapper at Winners And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel,
1: senior handicapper over and
0: You need a better cue, buddy? No, okay. uh,
1: I think it might have glitched out for a second, but I thought I made the cue pretty well.
0: I thought, I, I thought that was you glitching out. I'm not even sure anymore. Okay, good enough. Hey, together we are Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, we'll give you the winners. Scott, we have got a chock-full show here today. We're going to talk, of course, as we always do, about some baseball, touch base, the NFL, training camp updates, things like that. We're going to start our first of eight straight days of college football previews. We're going to be tackling, see what I did there, the MAC and Conference USA today. So, yeah, a couple of couple of exciting conferences that we're going to get to and just dive right into that so how'd your day go scott
1: overall went well uh, i know that i had a couple of thoughts on the brewers game which we'll get into in a bit i know that you were also on the same page on that one uh ended up winning with the braves under which worked out well my boy you Noah, looked pretty good in that one and as a whole yeah pretty good day how about you
0: yeah, solid. We, the, uh, Toronto kind of let us down, and uh, Manoa was not good, man. He was had his worst start of the season. Tried to make a little rally there against Washington, ended up uh, going down 8-6. But, Scott, first rule of holes, you got to stop digging. And they didn't do that. They gave up four runs to the Nats, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Of course, we did kind of have a bounce back, like you said, with the under there in the uh, NL Central battle. And of course, our old faithful this week, whoever's playing the Baltimore Orioles, that one worked out well for us as well. But Scott, it didn't go as well for some folks yesterday. Not everyone had a fantastic day. In fact, there were some people that maybe felt they got a little bit ripped off, Scott, and there's only one thing you can do when you feel like you get ripped off, and maybe that's call those cops. All right, starting in the major leagues, if you had the Angels Tigers under nine, you were looking really good. You had four runs going into the ninth inning, something. We just as long as it doesn't go to extras, we should be fine. You start putting those guys on second base, everything goes nuts. As long as we can end this game in nine, you're probably golden right there. Ooh, ooh, Scott, was it Buck Farmer? Did Buck Farmer come in? I.
1: Honestly, don't know, but I'm going to check that. You can finish your point.
0: Whoever was the stellar, uh, and there was probably more than one that they trotted out in the clown car out of the Detroit bullpen, they did not do well. They gave up six runs to the Angels in the top of the ninth. That game ended up 8-2. to two. Didn't go to extras. No heroics in the bottom of the ninth. But if you had the Angels-Tigers under nine, oof, oof, call the cops.
1: By the way, I looked it up. It was not Farmer. He did not pitch. It was actually Soto, the all-star. Two-thirds of an inning, five earned runs.
0: Wow. And you want to be my latex salesman.
1: Yep. But anyway, looking at the second Call the Cops, it was actually my play of the day, but I was on the right side of it. If you had the Brewers Cardinals score in the first inning, the Brewers ended up having a single with first and second. So you assume that's going to be a run right there. Not quite. Tyler O'Neal threw him out at the plate. Brewers stranded. The bases loaded. Then the Cardinals had a guy on second base with two outs. And O'Neal, the guy who threw out the guy from Milwaukee, did us another solid, and he struck out. So he really single-handedly carried that no-score first inning bet for me. But if you had the score first inning, that's a pretty tough beat.
0: Cash those NRFI tickets, Scotty. Never, never a doubt. And we'll finish it up. With the Rangers taking on the Mariners, if you had the Rangers plus one and a half there, you're in pretty good shape. You're tailing one and a half, excuse me, you're tailing two to one going into the top of the ninth. Just no heroics, no heroics. Two outs, you're good. No hero. Oh, Scott, there were heroics. Mariners hit a solo home run. No reason for that. That's just adding insult to injury. They end up losing three to one. Rangers, no more runs for them. Yeah, the Rangers plus one and a half on the reverse run line. Call the cops. I respect your bravery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not quite as as brave as playing them on the money line, but still pretty daggone brave. And, of course, there is the opposite side of the coin for those of you that maybe needed a little rally. Maybe you had one of those uh, tough games early. You needed a nice, easy game to finish your day. And there was definitely a few of those guys. There was a whole bunch of people today sitting in the rocking chair.
1: So the first one involved the Tampa Bay Rays. And as I look at the sheet, I realize they might not have been fully updated. Tampa Bay ended up leading three to nothing after the fourth inning, light eight to nothing after the fifth inning, light a 10 to nothing after the sixth inning. And that was where the game ended. So if you had the Rays on the run line, you ended up having a nice easy winner because of the fact that you ended up having one team score a bunch of runs, your team, and yet at the same point, you had no runs for the Orioles. And that kind of just sums up the Orioles for the last two weeks, doesn't it?
0: It really does. That is, you know, we've seen some horrific stretches, Scott. Uh, We've seen the 23 games in a row lost by the arizona diamondbacks we have seen the texas rangers play a horrific stretch of road games but the nice thing about baltimore it doesn't matter where they are they are just getting brutalized so yeah not good not good at all but moving on if you had the under in the marlins game as so often happens. Yeah, you had a nice, easy win. The Braves, Marlins, under seven and a half. You already mentioned it. Uh, Your buddy, Huascar, was dealing. Uh, You know him. You know him. You love him. He was doing very, very well, Scott. It was a nutting, nutting. It was nils after seven. Somebody had to win, and the Braves ended up being that somebody as they take care of business, two to zip. But if you had the under seven and a half, no sweat for you whatsoever. You can cash that ticket and just sit right back in the rocking chair.
1: And the last one was a bit surprising because it was a pitcher's duel involving the Cubs and the Reds. That's right. We mentioned in yesterday's show that Kyle Hendricks had been the only good pitcher on the Cubs, and he was really good, once again, because the Cubs won two to one. You had one run in the third. Then the Cubs scored a second run in the sixth. The Reds answered with one run in the sixth, and that was it. Total was nine and a half. You had three combined runs. That's pretty easy, isn't it?
0: It really is. It really, really is. Very nicely done. Well, Scott, this next gentleman, we probably remember him for some of his pitching exploits. Pretty pretty good pitcher. Big big time World Series performance. But in the booth, well, he had a rough day yesterday, Scott. <laughs> this was one of those ones where we really didn't have to discuss it long. As soon as we found this one, We knew who it was. We're going to find out who's strapping on that golden feed bag today. Scott, it is once again time for our donkey of the day. Wait for the shake. All right. Very good. Scott, uh, you can share this story.
1: So... The pit, the person you were alluding to, a uh, World Series legend, Jack Morris, uh, is also a Detroit Tigers broadcaster. And the Tigers, of course, were playing the Angels. We talked about that in the Call the Cop segment. And in the ninth inning, somebody who was supposed to come up to bat was Shohei Otani. And one thing you might know about Shohei Otani is the fact that he's not American. What? He is from Japan. Oh. And the reason why that is important is because Jack Morris, believe it or not, not a Jap- not from Japan, decided to end up attempting a Japanese accent for no apparent reason uh, to, I guess, show that Otani was going to come to the plate. And I guess my question for you, before we get into the grand scheme of this, the actual impression itself was awful, but had it actually been a good impression... What does that
0: even accomplish in this situation? Nothing good, absolutely nothing good. I can't imagine someone with the experience of Jack Morris behind the, and I know he's been the, uh, I think he's the is he the the radio color guy because I
1: think he's the television guy
0: because I know Kirk Kirk Gibson is on is on the on the TV broadcast. We see him a lot. So well, and those by the way, that's I'm the, not
1: sure if they maybe a yeah. They might have had alternative uh crews, you know, for some of the games. I know the Yankees do that. You right? Know, rotate in and out.
0: Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was the TV broadcast. All right. Well, good enough. It was it was a terrible accent. Even if it was like you said, if it's a good act, I don't really know what you're going for. I I you're not going for anything good. It's not horrific that it's going to end his career or anything. And like you said, he did immediately apologize when they came back from commercial break. I'm sure someone in the booth, someone in the truck was in his ear as soon as that happened. I, I, I just, Scott. it's, culture has changed. You know, used to be, you know, they, they would put oafish characters from different countries and cultures on TV. And it was just, that was the way things were. But people have kind of wisened up. We've talked about how those are actually insulting and we've, we've kind of become better as a, as a culture and as a people And I'm not sure everybody's caught the train yet, Scott. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. So, Jack Morris, congratulations, my friend. You can go 10 in the World Series, but you got to watch the accents because you are the donkey of the day.
1: I don't know if he's going to get fired. Odds to get suspended, minus 5,000, 7,000.
0: Oh, you think, yeah, a couple, three games.
1: Temporary leave. Yeah, sounds about right.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going to... He's not going to have to go to rehab or anything. <laughs> That's when you know it's bad. I'm sorry I was drunk. i, I got to go to rehab. Mm-hmm, but hey!
1: Not not a good day for him.
0: Not a good day for Jack at all. Speaking of drunk, Scott, <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to retire this award.
1: We might have to, honestly, it's, but I, I we, we keep talking about it and it keeps winning.
0: Well, the thing is, we did it yesterday and it was even more outrageous Today. So we have to do it. I mean, we've we've pretty much painted ourselves into the corner, and now we had that we have to do it again. We have to talk about the odds from the Tuesday night game that were even more ridiculous than the odds from the Monday night game. You may have guessed what we're talking about, but just in case you haven't, here it is. It's our favorite segment, The Odds Makers. They must be drunk. Scott, yesterday. We revealed the fact that we thought the Tampa Bay Rays were perhaps a little underpriced as they played a Baltimore team that hasn't been going the best for them lately. Is that is that a fair statement?
1: It's one of the worst stretches I've ever seen from a baseball team, but yes.
0: So on Monday, refresh me, Scott, how did that go? I believe 9-2 to two was the final? Uh,
1: yes. From what I remember was that Boston won over the weekend 6-2. to two. And Tampa won the first game of the series 9-2. to Right. And then you had the game that was yesterday.
0: Correct. So the odds makers, you think surely by now they've adjusted. They're, they're going to adjust that run line. So, Scott, we open up this game. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line, minus 1.5, plus 105. <laughs> plus 105. That's right. The Rays on the run line plus money now it didn't stay there it didn't stay there it finished where did it where did it finish up
1: I uh, I want to say 115 yeah I was gonna say maybe. I was gonna
0: say minus 115 120 I think that's exactly right so obviously a lot of people knew the oddsmakers were drunk and they were extremely drunk because uh how'd that game end up
1: well the Rays got off to a bit of a slow start against John means the only problem with that is that they didn't score and Tampa eventually woke up Tampa won 10 off
0: Easy, easy, easy money. <laughs> just incredible. the, the rays, they are you know the Rays are playing good ball, but the Baltimore Orioles are playing so bad. Here's the updated number, Scott. They have now lost by a combined score of uh, they've lost 13 straight. They've lost by hundred they've lost 123 to 36. That is, if you're scoring at home, that is 9.4 runs per game for their opponents. 2.7 runs per game before the Orioles. They have lost their last 13 by an average of 6.7 runs per game. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that, Scott.
1: Also losing 13 straight games on the run line? Yes. Not good. I know we talked about the Dimebacks losing a bunch of games outright on the road. And so Texas did the same Te- thing with the run yeah. line, yep. Texas on the run line right out of the All-Star break on the road. This doesn't even matter if they're at home or on the road. No. They're just bad. Yeah,
0: they're just they're just awful wherever you put them. You could you could put them on the sand lot and they're gonna lose by six. So, odds makers, get it together. You got one more opportunity. Let's see what you do. Of course, I want to remind you guys that you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. All right, Scott, a little news from National Football League camp. Tebow's gone. Are are you surprised?
1: Shocked. Can't believe it.
0: That was some world class whiffs that they that they had circulating around there. You
1: couldn't have given him a sho- a shovel pass or something. Could you have given him maybe the illusion of a of a reception?
0: Nothing. Nothing. Give him, groove him one. Was, give him a
1: give him a shovel pass. Give he, him something.
0: He was sort of targeted once. He was in, he was kind of in the area where they completed a pass. I don't know if he just he probably didn't run the route correctly because it looked like the wide receiver coming across the middle was the guy actually running the route correctly. But have you ever played Madden before? I have. Yes. So there's a career mode, and you can
1: pick a wide receiver. Uh huh. And let's just say that people who pick wide receivers take the suggested routes as suggestions. And they kind of roam free and just call for the ball whenever they can.
0: Okay. It
1: looked like Tebow was supposed to run some type of slant, right? And decided to just run a go pattern instead, and just said, "Throw me the ball." And they just didn't throw him the ball.
0: Is he going to catch on anywhere?
1: No, I think he'll catch on in the booth.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. Yeah, I I just I can't imagine he's thirty four. And I don't know if he's going to try to come back next year as a safety. Or if he is, he's going to have to go some to catch up with Jamal Adams. God, Jamal Adams signed a new deal today. Huge. uh, Makes him the highest paid safety in the National Football League. Is he worth it?
1: It's really a tough way to answer that. Because I don't think he's worth the contract by itself. Having said that, Seattle's in the same position that the Clippers were. When Paul George was supposed to be a free agent, which is even if he's not worth the amount of money that you're going to pay him, you traded a King's ransom to get him, you can't lose him for nothing. Right. They they had to give him the contract, whether or not you think it's bad business or not. I think we would agree the Jets actually want to trade, which is the crazier part of this development because the Jets never win trades. And I think we would agree that they definitely won that trade with Seattle, but Seattle gave up several first-round picks and a starting safety to get him. Can you really afford to lose him about a year or two later? Of course not. You had to sign him.
0: Yeah, I'm not – Are you, where do you put him on the pantheon of safeties? Where is he? Is he well, – he's not the best safety, is he?
1: It also depends on how you define a safety because safeties tend to be able to cover people, and he doesn't really cover anybody. He's very good at blitzing. He's very good at tackling, but he kind of reminds me a little bit. I'm not trying to insult uh, Jamal Adams. I think he's better, but he reminds me a lot of the way that Deion Buchanan used to play for Arizona where he was the safety by trade, but they just put him in the box the entire time in this kind of hybrid position, kind of a palomalu. kind of, yeah. They they just let him free roam around the field and, you know, we'll see what happens, but I wouldn't, I, I don't think he's the best safety in the league. I think he's very talented, but he has a lot of flaws in his game. Not to mention the fact that he also was pretty injury prone last year. Yeah. It's not he's not worth the contract at all. But am I shocked Seattle paid him? No. I,
0: I think personally, I think Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick is the best safety.
1: I think he's great. I, I think he's better than J, uh, than Jamal Adams.
0: Oh yeah, no no question at all. You could put, you know, you could put Marcus Williams in there. You could put Harrison Smith in there. There's there's Eddie Jackson, perhaps. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that. Um, you know, there's a guy with the Jets, Marcus Mank, Scott, that I think is going to end up being a fine player.
1: I still don't know where to place Derwin James on the safety list because he's so good, but he's never healthy. Right. It's such a shame because he's so good. But, yeah, yeah I, I think we're on the same page on this one. We both think Seattle's going to be a bit underwhelming this season, but they were between a rock and a hard place, and they chose to keep the guy.
0: Yep, I agree. Yeah, that's they, they, they did what they could, and they were – I think his agent probably recognized the pickle they were in and you know, took care of business. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. And uh, Deshaun Watson, Scott, he's at camp, but he's not really at camp. He's he's there. He's not really participating. He's supposedly doing his own thing, but he's in camp. The coach says everything's fine. He's just on his own program. Are they trying to? Are they trying to have their cake and eat it too? Are they? Are they waiting for the NFL to put him on the exempt list? What? What's Houston's game? They didn't he didn't play, he didn't travel for the last game. He's not going to play in this game. He's not going to travel for this game. What what are they doing with him? I'm not really sure. I guess you can kind of
1: equate it to the situation going on with Bauer in the way that the Dodgers have placed him on administrative leave for about the 40th time. Right. And you're just wondering, can you just shut him down for the season already because we all know he's not going to play, but yet you're still going through this random charade which doesn't really seem to serve a purpose. That's what I'm looking at with Houston. It seems like a massive distraction and a charade that doesn't really need to be taking place because we all know whether you're a Texans fan, whether you are a football fan, or whether you just have any common sense, Watson's not going to play.
0: I don't see any way they can play him.
1: So I think they're wasting everybody's time. I don't know if you agree with my Bauer comparison, but of course they both had I don't want to say similar issues off of the field, but there are definitely some similarities. But I th- I just think that both teams have done such an awful job when it comes to just ripping the Band-Aid off completely and just saying, this guy's not going to play until this gets resolved. Well, what's the point of dragging everybody through this? Well, he might play, but not really, but maybe.
0: Well, I'll tell you, there's, there's a point with Bauer because they're getting a resolution right now. Yes. So that's a situation where if he's uh, exonerated, then he's going to come back and play. But Deshaun Watson, they don't even start looking at things till January. So this is the limbo that he's going to be in. There's going to be no adjudication, there's going to be no resolution of the situation with him until after the football season is over. So whatever the Texans are going to do, they got to do it. Make up your mind. And I'm sure they already have, like you said. I don't, I don't see from a PR standpoint any way they can let him play, Scott. I just, I just don't see how they do it. I, um, and the other thing is, if, if they were a better team, do you think they'd be more tempted? If they were going to make a run this season, let's say if it was the Texans from what two two years ago that went to the playoffs and you know gave Kansas City a scare, if that team does Watson start the season, does he play?
1: Oh, it's a really tough question. I'm going to hold my nose and say yes. Okay. It's mostly a situation because I'm, I like to preach consistency here, and I'm sure you would know that if I give an opinion on something, I usually stay with it. I'm not trying to sound stubborn, but I usually like to think out all my opinions before I say anything. I've said previously when we talked about Watson about a month ago that the most important priority when it comes to front offices is winning, and any type of personal baggage is secondary. I think you'd agree with that. I think that's why Greg Hardy got a second chance. Why Michael Vick got numerous chances, et cetera. If they were competing for something and they still had JJ Watt and they still had the Andre Hopkins and they were still a really solid team. Right. I don't exactly think that Shaw is going to be your uh, starting quarterback. That's, or, or, is it Shaw is, or is it just Davis? I forgot the name of the rookie. They drafted. Does not matter? Good point. Could be Tyrod Taylor. Doesn't matter.
0: It's probably going to be Tyrod Taylor. I think he, he's going to be your starter, but yeah, you get, get it together, get it together, Houston, figure out your problems. All right, Scott, man, we're, we have a, uh, we're talking about some unlikable characters here. I didn't really realize it was, it was trending this way. Bryson DeChambeau, Scott going to go play the Ryder cup team. Going to go play with Kepka and the rest of his pals. Um, is this guy, is he worth it? Is it, is he good enough to bring speaking of bringing baggage with him, he's would you say he's the most unliked guy on the tour? Yes. Okay. All right, fair enough. So, first of all, who's gonna play with him? Who's gonna play doubles with him?
1: Uh definitely not as caddy, because he won't get through the entire 18.
0: Right. Um, it's not gonna be Kepka. And the other problem with DeChambeau is besides being pretty much universally accepted, detestable human being. He's not going to get vaxxed, Scott. He already had to drop out of the Olympics because he had, had, had COVID. He came out and said that he didn't want to take a dose that could be used by somebody else. So are we all of a sudden running short of the vaccine, Scott? I know... At the Garth Brooks concert, they set up a uh, vaccine tent outside. Seventy-seven thousand people heading in into the show. You know how many people got vaccinated there, Scott? Want to take a guess? Five thousand. Thirty-five. Okay. Thirty-five people, Scott. So I overshot that a bit. Just a bit, just a bit. So, and that was there was even a drawing to move up like to super tickets, and thirty-five. So what I'm saying to Mister Deschambo is there's plenty of vaccine, buddy. It's it's okay. You, we, we got a dose for you. So between that and, you know, if if he infects the team, is that going to be a problem, Scott?
1: I think it has to be. By the way, uh, just quickly, I actually looked through the Texans depth chart because it was bothering me. It was Davis Mills. That was the name I was thinking of. I don't know why I said Shaw. Davis. But anyway.
0: Davis, wait a minute. Where is he from?
1: Uh, He was from, I believe it was Stanford, wasn't it?
0: Is that the Stanford kid? Okay.
1: Yes, that's why I got confused because okay. David because yeah. Shaw's the coach. Yeah, my bad. So that, right. that's where I got confused. But anyway, doesn't matter. He's never going to play. Anyway, um, yeah. Going back to the point here with uh, going back to the point with DeChambeau here, I do think that the personal, just the personality that he possesses, and the I'd say potential COVID outbreak concerns might make him a little bit untouchable in this event because what even happens if the entire team ends up getting COVID? Do you just forfeit the Ryder cup? What I'm
0: I'm guessing you do. I'm I'm guessing you absolutely forfeit the Ryder cup. And I, I think there's, I think there's a little team chemistry involved here, Scott, unlike a normal golf tournament, you've got the camaraderie, you've got the team and, you know, Woods and Mickelson did not care for each other. And together, when they both played on a Ryder Cup team, you think you'd have two very, very good guys there. That that team would be unbeatable. They were one in seven against Europe, Scott, in the eight times they played together.
1: Yeah, you know what? Put the Shambo with Patty Reed. Nobody likes Patty Reed either. Oh,
0: there you go. That'll be that'll be fun to watch. All right, real quick. Brett Favre did a PSA advising parents uh, not to let their kids play tackle football before the age of fourteen. uh, He did it for the CLF, the Concussion Legacy Foundation. They cited a 2019 study from Boston University that concluded for every 2.6 years of playing tackle football, the risk of CTE doubles. Uh, So in other words, someone that played tackle football for 14 and a half years, 10 times more likely to develop CTE than someone who had spent fewer years playing. Do you agree with this? Do you think that's a good plan to limit the youngsters playing tackle football?
1: I think just common sense would be that in order for you to prevent serious concussions just throughout the entire person's livelihood or career, you got to limit the exposure. So I think if you're going to be starting kids later, then I do think that it would make natural sense. With lesser reps, you're less likely to get a ton of concussions. Now, of course, some of it's out of your control. All it takes is one hit in the right spot or the wrong spot in this case, and you end up getting it. But I think the issue we'd agree with is just how these concussions stack up on each other and how every time you get an additional concussion, your side effects could get even worse or just the rollover effect is going to be amplified. So I don't have an issue with this. I feel like you make an argument that if a person is a great athlete, then they'll find a way to be successful in football regardless. And reps might be important to some but if you're talking about the safety of players and trying to increase their chances of going professional without jeopardizing their future livelihoods, let alone playing careers, I don't have an issue with this. You?
0: I do not. And I can tell you, I'm having a son, I've talked about him here before. He was a, a, a hell of a quarterback as a youngster. And I did not let him play tackle football till his seventh till his seventh grade year. So even a little younger than 14 was the first time he played. And the good part about that is he's, he developed skills being a flag football quarterback. He was very elusive. And elusive is not something Steen men usually are. So it actually kind of helped him. It was a pass first league, of course. So I totally agree. Of course, all the CTE stuff kind of happened as he was playing. If I would have it to do over, I don't think I'd let him play at all, Scott. I, I don't think, at least until they got to high school. Um, because the worst crack he ever took was him and another guy playing flag football diving for the ball at the goal line and cracked heads together. And, of course, no helmets or anything like that. So I'm a I'm a big proponent of limiting the exposure of young kids. And the other reason is very hard to get the kids to use proper technique when it's game time. They can do it in practice. They can practice it and practice it. But when you go to make that hit, it's very easy just to dip that head down there and go crown to crown. Not a good situation. I applaud Brett Favre. It's a, a very powerful commercial. If you get a chance to see it, it's kind of it's kind of sobering, and I highly recommend. If you have kids, yeah, just limit the exposure if you can. Get them to play flag ball. Get them to play. Forgot. Get them to play something else because we know too much now. There's no more excuses. Yeah, All right. I agree. All right, that's it. Um, we're going to come right back as promised, Scott. We're going to delve into the college football season. We're going to start it off with Mac Attack and Conference USA, and we'll be right back to do that right after this message. Stay tuned, guys. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner?
1: Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating.
0: Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than the turtle on Xanax, but... Okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers?
1: What's Winners and Winners?
0: Exactly. So what do you tell them?
1: I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns in every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need.
0: Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winers because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic sight. Scott? What's the best part about Winners and Winers?
1: It's absolutely free to use.
0: That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwiners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right?
1: Sure. You're still getting none of my
0: fries. What? I, I didn't. Need- I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat my. them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, we'll give you the winners. And we're getting ready to do that right now. Some of our favorite plays in college football. Scott, you know what? I feel like like there's going to be more drama with the Mac. So let's start off with CUSA, Conference USA. Because this one, it's uh, probably not quite as wide open, would you say? I tend to
1: find the CUSA relatively top-heavy when it comes to teams that are actually good enough to win yeah. the conference title game, so we can start there.
0: Okay, so we decided that what we're going to do is we're going to go through, we're going to pick our favorite to win the league. We're going to pick a dark horse where there may be a little bit of value, and then we're going to give you our favorite win total team. We'll throw some other stuff in there as well. And yeah, let's get to it, Scott. So we we'll are starting off with the conference USA this is a uh, a uh, conference that has been dominated by pretty much the Marshall thundering herd for the last I don't know decade or so Scott uh, yes
1: but the last couple of years UAB seems to have kind of just taken control
0: there's been yeah there's been uh, there there's been kind of some usurpers in you know a couple of teams. Have had have had decent runs. FAU's had some decent teams. Um Louisiana Tech has had decent teams in the past. But for me, it's this UAB team because for starters, the Marshall Thundering Herd Scott ended up losing three straight games. What'd they do? They uh got rid of their coach. Got rid of their coach. What the what? They got rid of Doc Holiday? Are you kidding me? I like Doc Holliday. I think hey, he's a good coach. He was an incredible coach. What do what are you doing? What what in the world? I guess there was I guess there was a couple of donors, a couple of people at the school that didn't like him, and yeah, that's so he's gone. So I don't like Marshall in this Scott in this spot, Scott. I like the UAB Blazers. They've got uh, something that you don't see in this conference very often, Scott. They've got some tremendous defense. So I'm I'm a big fan of UAB and yourself. I like UAB a lot, too. However, I am going to give a brief
1: shout-out to UTSA. I know they've never actually appeared in the conference title game, but looking at how the team did last year and how many people they bring back, this team should be pretty good. Uh, just looking at the roadrunners here, they returned 10 starters on offense, 11 starters on defense. The entire defense is back from a team that went 7-5. and five. Now, they do have a home game against UAB on November 20th, which should end up deciding the West Division – But they also have some coaching stability, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, and they also have a new defensive coordinator after some issues with the previous one. But I do like the amount of starters that they return. I'm still picking UAB, but I agree with you about Marshall. Having said that, Marshall, of course, is on the easier half because they're not in the same section as UAB and UTSA. So Marshall might get to the title game by default, but I do think whoever wins that November thirty uh, November twentieth game between UAB and UTSA should make the conference title game. Do you agree that those are probably the two best teams in the other division?
0: Yes, I've in fact I've got I don't want to I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I do have the Roadrunners as my as my dark horse pick, and it's really I don't know what you were able to find because I know you found a lot of different prices, but. There seems to be, there's really three co-favorites in this division. It's UAB, UTSA, and Marshall. Everybody else is double-digit dogs. So there really isn't an extremely dark horse. Scott, is there any of the any of the others that you would even consider taking a flyer on?
1: I picked one. Would I take a flyer on them? No. But I do think that maybe if everything goes well, it's mostly fading Marshall, to be honest with you. Right. I'm, I looked at Florida Atlantic. I found 12-1. to 1 on FanDuel, on Ford Atlantic. Now, do I trust Willie Taggart's team? No. But I think we both agree that Marshall with a brand new head coach and the fact that their quarterback in Grant Wells, we don't exactly think is that good, which is a bit concerning because he was awful down the stretch. He was. Ford Florida Atlantic, you can look at, and I know that the defense was very good last year, 24th best in the nation. They do return 10 starters, so they should be good defensively once again. Offensively, they were awful, but they bring back a new offensive coordinator, and they also bring in Nikasi Perry from Miami and Michael Johnson Jr., so maybe one of them can actually help them out offensively by being the quarterback they need. Plus, if you're looking at a game that they need to win, of course it's going to be the Marshall game. They do play Marshall at home, so that's also a pretty good scheduling spot there. Do I think they're realistically going to win the conference? No. But a twelve to one. If you want to fade Marshall, I think Florida Atlantic's probably the second best team in that region. Question
0: mark. Yeah. No. No. Fair enough. No, I'm, I'm selling on FAU. This was a dreadful offense. Not just below average; yep. they were awful. They were 115th in the country in scoring. They don't have a passing attack. Like you said, they're getting some help, but mm, okay. Okay, I'll I'll, be, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not a Willie Taggart fan. Um, they went down and they were just curb stomped by Memphis. The five teams they beat, Scott, won a combined 14 games. I think they were vastly overrated last season. And I've got them. Not only do I not like them to win the division, they are my favorite win total team. I've got them under seven and a half.
1: I don't hate that to be honest, but once again, I said that FAU is a team that I wouldn't really pick to make a serious run, but at 12 to one, if you really think Marshall potentially implodes, then maybe you can take a sniff. But once again, we talked about it when we broke down the intro for the conference, it's a favorite driven conference.
0: It really is. You know, if you want to know whether you have a, whether you have a, a good play on them to win either over seven and a half or make a run of the division, Take a look at that week one game, or excuse me, that week two game against Georgia Southern. That that'll tell you a lot about how competitive they're going to be with uh, teams roughly of their own ilk. Uh, don't Over look the at, record. Yes. Sorry,
1: I like UTSA potentially as a dark horse a lot more than Florida Atlantic. Okay, I just wasn't sure if I could count one of the three co-favorites basically as a dark horse, so right. that's why I ended up choosing to go. But if you could also include a UTSA as a dark horse, they would have been my pick too.
0: Yeah, I like I like this team. I think. They're, they're a team that does a lot of stuff right. They run they run the ball well. Jeff Trailer is doing a, a nice job, good Texas football coach there in high school, and he's been fantastic. I like uh, one of the great names of all time, uh, Sincere McCormick, Scott.
1: Uh, McCormick's good. Guy can run.
0: 1,467 yards. Frank Harris, he's a lefty. I have, I have an affinity for lefties, so yeah. If they yeah. could
1: stay healthy, of course.
0: That's yeah. That's always the question down there. So that that's. I think you and I are both kind of on UTSA. I did take the easy route, and I will give you credit because I couldn't find any other teams that out of those outside of those three that I I really cared for. So, all right. So I, I
1: chose one. I chose one. I still don't like the one I chose.
0: Fair enough. All right. Well, at least, and at least you're completely honest because you were you were picking one from the dregs, and by very definition, one of them is going to be a bad team. So. All right, moving on to the max, Scott. What is uh we got? Maxion will be.
1: I didn't. I didn't mention my favorite win
0: total. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead.
1: So this is actually one of my favorite win totals on the board. Oh, that's right.
0: Oh, this is this is a good one because you found a unicorn, buddy.
1: I did. Uh, I like Old Dominion, and most of the books have them over under three and a half wins. Right. FanDuel had four and a half at minus one thirty towards the under. I love the under four and a half. Yep. Now Old Dominion. Did not play last year because of COVID. However, 2019, they were one and 0 and eight in conference play. Only win was against the Norfolk State. That's not an FBS team, and they only won by three. Now, going through the actual schedule, they should be favored in one to two games all season at home against Hampton, non D, non FBS team, and maybe at UTEP. Question mark. I don't know if they're even going to be favored in that game. They have former Penn State offensive coordinator Ricky Ron as the head coach. He's never been a head coach before. Or is,
0: it, is his name Ricky Ron or Rick Iran?
1: Uh, Ricky space Rahan.
0: Okay. Okay. Not Rick Iran. No. Ricky Ron. But anyway, okay, the, good. I
1: guess the one positive they have is the fact that they did end up picking up UCF transfer quarterback DJ Mack Jr., who ended up taking over for Mackenzie Milton a couple of years ago. Athletic quarterback, can run a lot. Very inconsistent passer, though. But this team with a brand-new head coach or a coach with really no head coaching experience at all and a team that we would agree is going to struggle a lot out of conference at Wake Forest, at home against Hampton, at Liberty versus Buffalo, you're 1-3 in guaranteed, almost almost potentially going 0-4.
0: They're going to be favored in one game. They're going to yeah, be. I was fa- going to say
1: maybe at UTEP, maybe they'll be favored, but I potentially doubt it. Four and a half's a joke. Look they at, might not even win three. games.
0: Look ahead line has them as a three and a half, three and a half point dog to UTEP. Just saying. Yeah. So, and I love the under there. Yeah, I don't see. I honestly, I'm not sure where I see three wins coming. That's what I'm saying. they they've got Hampton. Okay, let's give them UTEP. And then where do we go? FIU maybe. It's also
1: at FIU, so it's not even a home game.
0: Yep, they've got Louisiana Tech at home. I I don't see it. I
1: I, I I that's why it's one of my favorite win totals on the board. Yeah,
0: I think if you guys have if you guys have access to four and a half, run don't walk get it down because it ain't gonna be four and a half very long. Get that play down. Yep, I'm a big fan of that, and that's. That's the kind of thing we put you to work for doing, finding those lines like that. So well done, my friend. Well done yep. indeed. All Thank right. You. Well, you ready for some action? Yep, let's do it. I want some action. I want to live. All right, I'll let you go first. What do you got? So
1: uh, the favorite in this, in this conference is Toledo at roughly plus 275. Ball State defending champions are second at plus 440. The Mac is crazy. You rarely see the same team win twice in a row. And I'm not picking Ball State, I'm picking Toledo. Now, Toledo is a team that's absolutely loaded. There's a little bit of quarterback uncertainty, though, because Eli Peters retired. I'm, I don't want to roast the guy after he retired because of injuries, but I was never a big Eli Peters fan at the quarterback position. Wait, wait,
0: wait. Did you say a college kid retired? Yeah, he retired. That's not a thing.
1: He had serious injuries. He quit his playing career.
0: Okay. Okay, but you don't retire at 20. I mean, I get it. Okay. You
1: retired from his playing That was the point I was trying
0: to make. I'm just busting your balls. It's fine. Fair <laughs> enough. But anyway,
1: uh, Toledo returns all five starting offensive linemen. So I do think that'll help the new quarterback. Uh, they do have 10 Letterman returning on defense. Same head coach, same offensive coordinator, same defensive coordinator. It's very rare in the MAC you find a team that plays elite offense and elite defense and has decorated players all over the field. Toledo might be one of the best Mac teams I've seen on paper in several years.
0: Yep. Agreed. They've got they've got Carter Bradley that's going to take over the reins at quarterback. He was really good when he made one start last year against Central Michigan. I think he threw for like four thirty or four four hundred and forty yards. He was ridiculously good. And like you said, all what I look for Scott, one of the big things I look how many linemen are coming back. And they have five linemen coming back. So that's a pretty good number. That's a uh, that's a solid number. All your starting linemen are coming back. You've got uh, Kobach coming back in the backfield, Winstead, Landers, uh, Georgia transfer there, and yeah, like you said, then you talk about the defense. They are they are stacked on both sides of the ball. I'm with you. I'm I'm I, I you know I wanted I wanted to go non chalky here, but there's just to me there's Toledo and all others.
1: I really like Ball State though on the side. I think okay. Toledo's more talented. Ball State peaked at the right time last year because they won their last handful of games in a row. Then they smacked San Jose State in the bowl game. Mm -hmm. That's a really good team, and I do like Drew Plitt a lot at quarterback. So if you want to actually bet on both, I think those two teams will face off against each other in the conference title. Uh, Actually, sorry, not in the conference title, but just in general. I think that both of the teams should be in the running. Uh, I think one of them will make the conference title game. Do you have any thoughts on Buffalo?
0: Yeah, I do. Well, first of all, that and that Ball State, that Ball State Toledo game comes early, Scott. That comes on September yeah. the 25th. They're going to be the first conference game for uh for both of those guys. Now, I, I misspoke. Of
1: course, that that's probably going to be an elimination game between Toledo and Ball State. Do you do you like them that be. do you like them that early? Uh I truth is, I think Toledo could hypothetically run the table. I think they're that I think they're that good. But Ball State, I think that one game could be tough because i believe that's at ball state correct
0: yes yes it is. so that
1: could be a loss but as a whole i love that toledo team buffalo i have some question marks of course because they lost their coach leopold ended up going to kansas i wish him the best of luck many prayers to him but buffalo has made the conference title game two of the last three years they always choke but they still make it uh easier division they should be better than ohio and kent state they lost patterson but i love marks jr as a running back i think he's tremendous i think they'll be fine as a whole, though, do I really trust Linguist as the coach with no head coach or coordinator experience at the FBS level or above? No, but the rest of their division is so weak. Are you putting Buffalo in the title game?
0: No. Is, is Linguist cunning? By the way, uh, don't even do it. Don't even do I'm it. Not, I'm not going to bother it. answering that one. All right. So yeah, I've, the the problem with the Buffalo team is they they they're not bringing many guys back. I do like I do like Kevin Marks. Uh, I totally agree. He was. I was I was happy to see him stay and see Patterson come out. I think he, I think he's a, a very very solid player. I just don't know that they have enough horses. You know, Ball State really kind of exposed him in that title game and and smacked him around a little bit.
1: Well, who I, you pick in their division then?
0: Well, that is
1: that, that's. I'm going with Buffalo by default because Ohio I'm not a big fan of,
0: and you're looking at everything else. I generally like State's entertaining. I like that Ohio team. I would pick. I would pick Kent State coming out of that. I. I the problem with that Ohio team is, of course, Frank Solich retired. Yeah. So they've it's not good. No, and they've kind of they've kind of let it pass them by. They're they're a good, solid. We're gonna go to a bowl at seven and four kind of team.
1: They have one of the seventeen Rourke brothers still playing quarterback over there.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. I would. I'm not sure I would book Kent State to win. I love Kent State to win Trump, the East.
1: But- yeah, that defense
0: is so bad. That is that is that is the problem. That is absolutely the problem. So it'll be it'll be fun to see what's your what is your uh, who's your who's your sleeper.
1: My sleeper is technically Buffalo because I made a rule in my own head. My sleeper is going to be anything eight eight to one or higher. Okay. I found Buffalo at plus four fifty on Bet on Line, but I found Buffalo at ten to one on Fox Bet. Yep. I got to take 10 to one with that division, yeah, that I, division Buffalo, even with all the uncertainty is still probably the most talented team in that division. The question is if they can keep it together.
0: Right.
1: I think they'll be in the title game.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that I, the odds were, are in favor of that. And if you can get them the title game and you have eight to one, 10 to one, whatever, I've got them at eight to one. That's, Hit the eject button and hedge. Right, that's the thing, and they were they were my sleeper pick. I mean, they're not obviously not really a sleeper, but I couldn't pass up the odds at eight to one, you know. After, which is kind of a curious thing after I've just disparaged Buffalo, but I still recognize value. So, yep. as, as far as my as far as my total plays, I like Northern Illinois over four. It's a uh, it's a team that they bring again another team that brings back all five offensive linemen. And they've got uh, Harrison Harrison Whaley coming back, but they've got Rocky Lombardi, who's a Michigan State transfer, got some good ride. I can't res- believe you're trusting Lombardi. Uh, you know what? Different different system, new start. I'm willing to give him a pass. Fair enough. And as long as he can give me some passes for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be an ugly beginning of the season. But I think they're going to be able to pick up some conference wins. Uh, I'll take uh, NIU over four.
1: Yeah, my uh, win total is Toledo. I like Toledo over eight and a half, uh, even money on FanDuel. Uh, They're playing 12 games. I think they'll be favored in at least 10 of them. They're playing at Notre Dame, which, of course, they're not going to win. They play at Ball State. I'm not sure who's going to be favored in that one, so I kind of have that up in the air. But they have the luxury of playing Akron, Bowling Green, UMass, and Norfolk State. I believe that's four free wins.
0: That's four. That's four right there. And
1: I also love the fact that the most talented roster – And they have a lot of stability, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, same defensive coordinators. I think that Toledo is going to roll. And when you have four free wins and you're already the most talented team in the conference, I think you'll find a way to win nine.
0: Do you have the nerve to play Bowling Green under one and a half?
1: I thought about it. It's all going to come down to, well, I don't even know if they're good enough to beat Murray State. That's a separate point. I know. But it all comes down to that game against Akron.
0: Yep, as it so often does.
1: And I saw Akron, if that was a two and a half, I would have loved the under. That was a flat two everywhere. So whoever wins that game probably goes over the win total or pushes. I got scared off because Akron's always bad. Bowling Green was historically bad. But if Dollar ends up having some injury issues there for Akron's backfield, they might not win a game. His health is crucial to that team.
0: It is. It is. Um, they are. They are definitely challenged on the defensive side of the ball for sure.
1: Yeah. So I got scared off. I'm going with Toledo. I just think they're the best team by far. I'll take them over in the win total. Okay.
0: Very good. All right. Well, that's done. We've uh, we've kicked, we've kicked it off, buddy. And we've got two more tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be taking a look at the Mountain West and the Sun Belt. So that'll be cool. We can talk about some of the changes that have gone out there, going on out west talking about the the Mountain West or the Big 12 West as I believe they'll soon be calling it. So I'm rooting for San Jose State. Spoiler alert. Quick reminder before we get into baseball guys, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Scott, let's get ready out to just get ready to deal some winners out here taking a look at the baseball card. We've got a few few getaway games there on Wednesday afternoon that we won't be able to get to. But we do have a number of night games. Nice, and no, I think we got—I think we got ten night games. So that's a good thing. And what but do we have? Like three minutes to go through the ten night games? How About that, uh, two minutes.
1: Cool, two, two minutes. So I was like, yeah, you, you got it ready to go. Uh, yeah, I like the Angels uh, with Atani against School Ball. I know School Ball has been pretty good lately. Okay, Detroit's been a team that has been streaky at times, but every now and then they remind us, oh yeah, that's why you're supposed to be t- terrible this season. Angeled them yesterday. Otani has been phenomenal on the mound. I'm going with the angels just because this team can consistently score. I can't say the same about Detroit. And they also burned a lot of their very good relievers in the ninth inning yesterday. I think that's concerning. I'll go with the angels. You.
0: Um, I like that. I think that's, I think that's a solid play. And people forget how good Otani has been on the mound because he's been so good with the bat in his hand, but he's been outstanding. He's really made just one bad start. And that was when we backed him. It, a they won any they won anyway uh, against uh, no that was the game against the yankees they didn't. They had, uh,
1: yeah i thought that was the rain delay game they won
0: um no where he gave up like seven runs in the first two-thirds of an inning
1: yeah then you had the three-hour rain light and they won
0: and they win that one uh, they won that we, one anyway. Th- we, we, really we almost said first uh, five on it because i know i know he screwed us so
1: anyway you you can go on your game that you like
0: Yeah, uh, i'll take i've got to fade lazardo i've got to take the Braves a little pricey there. Give me a team total over. I think we're going to get uh, four and a half juiced over there probably. So if I you, saw
1: minus one ten on BetMGM at four and
0: a half. Yeah. God bless you, BetMGM. Yeah, sign up, sign me up for that. Yep, I agree. Uh, I think that I think that's a, I think that's a fine play. Mm. <laughs> I got to be tempted by
1: the Giants. It's about minus one forty. The Mets can't win a game. Okay. Um, I don't trust Di Scalfani that much. I'll admit that, but damn, the Mets are bad.
0: Are we just ignoring the elephant in the room? Is there any way to not take Tampa Bay?
1: I saw it was at minus 160 on the run line. Yeah. I think Watkins is terrible. Is. So take Tampa team total over, take whatever you want.
0: Luis Head on the mound.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about him, so I'll take the over on team total for Tampa because I know Watkins is bad.
0: All righty, Scott. Well... Yeah, I don't, anything else stand out to you real quick?
1: Uh, for the most part, no, not really. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it.
0: I'm anxious to see how Lynn does against the A's. I don't think I'm going to stay away from that game. He was a little shaky there at the Field of Dreams. Didn't,
1: didn't love... I hope Bassett's okay, by the way. What's that? I owe Bassett's okay, by the way. I do
0: too. Do we have a, a, an update on that?
1: Uh, not that I know of, but it didn't look good.
0: <sighs> it reminds me of... Uh... Uh, the kid for Tampa Bay that Hosmer hit a few years back. It's, yeah, I forgot his name, though. Bounced around the league ever since then. So, mm-hmm. All right, Scott. Well, it is time. Uh, we have reached the end of the show, and we are going to put our heads together, come up with our favorite play of the day. It is time to climb on that tractor, strap up your overalls, get on that straw hat, and bet the farm. <laughs>
1: So, the Bet the Farm play for today is going to be on the Red Sox team total over four and a half runs at minus 130 on Bet MGM. The Red Sox have scored at least six runs in three of their last five games, and Andrew Heaney is on the mound for New York. Mr. Heaney. He's not good. Oh. Last three starts, 15 innings pitch, nine flat ERA. And Heaney is, it's a home game for Heaney because he's now a Yankees pitcher. Oh, that's good, right? Yeah, he stinks at Yankee Stadium because oh. he's pitched 13 innings, 10.38 ERA. I know Boston struggled in the series. Yankees officially passed them in the loss column in the wild card standings. But this Red Sox team is still extremely talented at the plate. Bunch of talented righty hitters. They kill lefties. And Heaney is a fly ball pitcher in Yankee Stadium. That's not going to go well against this team.
0: So you want no part of Pavetta, right?
1: Uh, no, I don't want any part of Pavetta. <laughs> Give me the team total over for Boston. I think they'll get at least five, and also the Yankees bullpen double header. They used a decent amount of guys yesterday. You might see a couple of secondary options there.
0: Yeah, and and Heaney might also have to wear this one for a while too. Correct. If, if he gets if he gets hammered and gives up three or four in the first couple of innings, he may have to wear the hat there for a minute. So I think that's I think that's a very solid bet the farm play give us the boston red sox fading andrew heaney over a four and a half at would you say minus 130 yep at bet mgm yep very good very good all right guys well that's going to bring it to a close for this wednesday version of winners and winers radio of course we always appreciate you listening if you're watching this on the youtube hey drop us a comment like and subscribe all that good stuff don't forget we're available wherever podcasts are sold, so make sure you check us out on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's going to be Apple, uh, iTunes, or Spotify, or, well, you know what they are. So, Anchor. Anchor. That's right. Don't forget to check Anchor Down, everybody. So, for myself, for Scott Reichel, for the whole team over here at WinnersAndWiners.com, thanks very much for being part of the show today, and we will see you tomorrow on Winners and Winners Radio. Take care, everybody.